Welcome to the Basketball and Brew podcast, produced by Jude McLaren, and I am your host, Dan Miller. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast, and please help us out by subscribing to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are watching, and please give us a follow on Twitter. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, both right here in beautiful San Marcos, Texas. Pie Society is an excellent stop in San Marcos for great New York-style pizzas made with the freshest ingredients, local beers on tap, and overall fun and cool vibe. And come into Zellick's Ice House for their happy hour drink specials, their outside patio, fun vibes, and just a great time with friends. Tonight, we are excited to welcome our guest, Coffeeville Community College head men's basketball coach, Jay Herkelman. Coach Herkelman has won over 700 games as a head coach, eight-time coach, region coach of the year, 15-time Kansas Jayhawk Community College Conference Coach of the Year, and his 2021 Coffeeville team won the NGCAA Division I National Championship. Coach Herc, thank you for coming on tonight, and welcome to Basketball and Brew. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. Coach, uh, just a great honor having you on, and your teams have just been so good for so long. And that's that team in 2021 winning the national championship. And, and I know you had been to the national championship in, in 2002 in the championship game, but finally getting over the top and, and cutting down the nets. Coach, can you talk about that team and that season? Sure. That was, uh, it was, it was pretty special, obviously for the way that it ended, but it, it started out so strange. Um, you know, that was the, the COVID year. So, you know, the whole first semester, we didn't even play games. Um, you know, junior college basketball was just on a pause and, and, uh, you know, we were able to scrimmage, but we couldn't play games. And so we didn't start playing actual games until January of that year. And then you crammed in, uh, wasn't the regular, uh, schedule, but, uh, you crammed in as many games as, as were allowed. Uh, but you know, that team, even in the fall when we were doing our scrimmaging, we saw that they were going to be. A very competitive group, very sure. unselfish group, uh, obviously very talented. Right. Uh, and we were deep. Um, we just, we had a lot of good players. And so we just felt like if we could get, get them going the right direction, um, we were going to have a chance. And, and then, uh, you know, the, when the season started, uh, I remember it was the first conference game we'd, we'd gone over to Hutch. And, mm-hmm. We, uh, we got our tails kicked pretty good the year before over at Hutch. And we went over there and we, we played really well and beat them pretty soundly. Right. And I was walking off the floor with, with Tyler Perry, and who was part of the team the year before when we took the loss over there. And he just made the comment. He says, Coach, we got, we got some different dudes this year. Right. And, and we did. Uh, and that was just the start of it. Um, going through conference play and the Jayhawk conference is so hard, but it prepares you yeah. for later on with the national tournament, the competition you're going to play there. But yeah, it was, uh, it was an amazing run. Um, and then when we get to the national tournament, we won uh, five, or five games in six days. Yeah. And you had to play them straight. I saw that. Yeah. yeah it was, it was a uh, tall task. Uh, right. Cause we ended up, we didn't win a region championship. We, uh, we got beat in the semifinals, so we got in that large bit. And so right. we didn't get one of the top eight seeds, which if we would have won our region or maybe even made it to the finals because we got beat in the semifinals, um, you know, we probably would have got a top eight seed, which means then you only play four games in the week 
But right. uh, we had to play five that week, and it was a challenge, and the guys took on the challenge, and it was a tremendous, tremendous feat to, to get through it. Absolutely, Coach. And I know th through those five games, you had to play some different styles, and then you get to the final game, and, and you have to play a, a team that, that's running fast. And, and how do you prepare for five games in six days against all those different styles, Coach? <laughs> you trust what you're doing. Right. Um, you know, that's, right. That's the big thing, that uh, we don't change much game to game. Yep. Um, you know, we, we know personnel stuff changes, but uh, basically what we do stays the same. Um, right. You know, we first game uh, played a team out of Tennessee and uh, had the typical first game nerves. Um, started out a little, little rough at the beginning, but by halftime we'd gotten a double-digit lead and ended up winning that game pretty soundly. And then the next game was one that just really worried us. We were playing Odessa. Yeah. And it was their first game, and it was now we've had those first game jitters out of the way. Right. And... Uh, but they were big, and mm -hmm. Bucket does a good job down there, and they yep. play the zone, and they press, and big dudes. And yep. we were both ranked in the top five in the nation a year, but we both got beat. Um, and so in the region tournament, and so we're playing them early on, a lot earlier than what, you know, it was probably a final four-level game. You're right. And um, fortunate, you know, we got off to a good start there. They probably had some first game nerves. Um, really got after them defensively. They were having a hard time scoring the ball, and we were making shots. We had some guys that were feeling pretty good that night. And we ended up being up 20 at halftime, and ended up winning the game by you know, like 40 points. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not what was to be expected because they were really good. We just yeah. kept rolling that way that night. On that night, had a day off, and then we played uh, Northern Oklahoma Tonkawa we had scrimmaged earlier in the year so we were a little bit familiar with them and that was just a grinder game mm -hmm. uh, totally different than, than the previous two um you know it's just uh uh donnie jackson was coaching and now he's in our conference he's at cowley county yep and uh, donnie does a great job of getting his guys to play hard and guard and, and it right. was a hard game it was an overtime win for us then the next game we played chipola florida who was He's huge. We thought yep. Odessa was big. Uh, Chipola's out there with six five guards and six eight and six ten on the wings and a seven four guy in the middle and played his zone. And uh, yeah, Donnie Tindall yeah. did a great job with that zone and we we try to run some stuff that has been successful for us during the year. Right. But they uh, they knew how to cover up a lot of things. That's what they did. And, right. And, uh, second half we gave our guys a little more freedom to just face and make decisions and and uh we made some shots and won a close one and then the championship game was a weird one you know yeah cowley county yep. uh, who's an hour and 15 minutes to the west yep. of us in our conference and played them twice during the year split with them tommy DeSalm, the coach he's a good friend of mine mm -hmm. and we're playing for the national championship wow that was that was yeah. uh, it was different. Yeah, absolutely. And and then, Coach, obviously you guys won that game and cutting down the nets for you had to just – I mean, had to be an amazing feeling for your career and to, to finally get over the top and cut down the nets and win the national championship. And, Coach, one thing I wanted to ask you here was there's a difference between a great team 
you know, you see programs pop and they'll have a great team and a great season. But there's a big difference between that and a program. You have a great program. For 26 years, you consistently win 25, 26, 30 games year after year in the best basketball conference probably in America. Coach, can I ask, what is, what's your formula for that consistency? Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's not a magic wand. Um, yeah. It's a lot of hard work. Um, like you said, we've, we've been to the national tournament 12 times um, in my time since 2002 was the first year we we got there and we uh, we played for the national championship. We lost by one point, um, 36 and two that year. Right, a great year and and uh, to lose it by one point in the national championship game. And at that point, you wondered, man, will we ever get a chance? You know, right. we were in the final four uh, four times. Um, finally got to the point where we won it in uh, 21. But the consistency of the program, I guess, it's just, uh, one, you got to have good good players. <laughs> That's where it all starts. Better have good players. And right. I've been fortunate. I've had really good assistant coaches that have been helping me out over the years. Um, and we've got a system that, like I said, we don't change a lot year to year. I'm a little bit old school that way where I don't sure. go necessarily with the trends. I go with what I feel is, is successful, a way of being successful. And and uh, it's been that way for us. We, we do it the old-fashioned way. We guard people. Yep. We try to be real physical with them. Um, Jeremy Cox, assistant down at UTEP, I was just talking to him yesterday. Yeah. He was asking about some players on our team. And, we used to play against each other when he was at Garden City and then mm -hmm. Arkansas Fort Smith. And, and he always says, I know one thing, you're going to have some tough-ass forwards that are going to be right. guys that are going to beat you up and, and play physical. And, and that's been successful for us. But the thing that we've really had a lot of success with here is just really good guard play. Right. Um, the last five point guards that I've coached here have all been All-Americans. Wow. And uh, yeah, going back to Darian Strong, um, mm -hmm. he's up here and went to Oklahoma. Uh, and we had uh, TJ Washington, went to Utah Valley. And then we had Kevin Brewer, who went to Florida International and now he's transferred to Duquesne. Mm -hmm. uh, we had Tyler Perry, who is at North Texas and yep. was a first team all conference player at North Texas in his first year there. Um, yep. And then we had Love Bettis last year. And Love mm -hmm. and Tyler played together in our backcourt uh, for the national championship. Yeah. Love was a freshman last year, took over the point guard. And, uh, you know, over the years, we've had just had so many good point guards. Boo Richardson was a first-team All-American for me back in the years, uh, mm -hmm. about five, six, seven. Um, but even my first team, um, I had a point guard and some and that, that's what really got us going early on in my career was we had three really good guards. Sure. And I took over a program that was 3-26. and 26. Yep. And, man, it was, you know, trying to find some guys that wanted to buy into, you know, a young coach coming into a new program. And I've and, uh, got three guards that were uh, Halim Abdullah. He ended up going to Illinois playing for Lon Kruger. Uh, Donald Mitchell, um, who went to Iona. And Chadwick Jenkins, who went and played for Seth Greenberg at South Florida. Right. And still to the day, one of the toughest dudes I've ever coached in my life. And so 
those three guys kind of got things going. I realized you always better have good guards. And, uh, and then our style of play is, is, uh, uh, you know, very defense oriented and offensively we have our rules offensively, but uh, I like our guys to be able to play basketball and play with a lot of freedom. Right. Right. I love that coach. And it has truly been a great place for guards, you know, following it. I know how you play the point guards, the two point guards on that national championship team are special. And Tyler's doing a great job at North Texas. Like you said, that's a, that's a great program also right there that he went to and has helped making it better. Coach, before we go back into your program, because I, I also want to talk a little bit more about practices and everything that goes into your success yeah. on the court, I want to talk just a little bit about junior college basketball. And, you know, not everyone understands, you know, the recruiting and junior college basketball and are familiar with it. So just first question, Coach, about recruiting. Can you talk a little bit about the recruiting process um, not just for you guys, but maybe in junior college and how early you get on high school kids and um, how that takes place, deciding if kids are going to be junior college or go division one. And, and just a little bit of uh, information about recruiting would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really changed from the time that I first got here. Mm. Now, I mean, that four-year schools, division one schools are like four-year JUCOs now with the transfer portal. Right. It's really changed so much. Um, yeah. We started looking at kids. Uh, in the summer previous, usually to their uh, senior year, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then it's just uh, the process that my assistant coaches, it's one thing I just re- really rely on them to go out there and basically find the players. So, mm-hmm. And it, that allows me to coach the team. Right. Uh, and they do a lot of the front work on the recruiting. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll look at kids in the summer previous. We'll go to some AAU events and, and uh, some other showcase deals. And then, you know, Kansas recruiting is important to us. So we get on, you know, some of the better Kansas kids. Um, and it's, it's really competitive in this state because yep. one, the JUCOs are so good, but then we've got really good D2 schools. Yep. Then you, you get the three D1s. And I know, you know a lot of those kids, if they're that level, we've got no shot at them. But, you know, we compete with the D2s and all the other Jayhawk conference schools. So, Recruiting's, yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, we try to do it, you know, as much like a D1 program as, as you can with mm-hmm. the resources that we have, uh, making phone calls and, and talking to kids. But our evaluation process um, over the years, I think, has been really good. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I've been here, this is my 28th year, I get calls on kids all the time and from friends. Yep. You know, basketball and and, uh, you know, a friend of mine who is assistant women's coach at Arkansas called me last year. <clears throat> and he says, I know I don't know much about basketball, <laughs> but uh, he says, there's a pretty start over here in Fayetteville. And uh, so we got on him and we ended up getting him. Yeah. Landon Glasper's going to be a heck of a coach for us. Um, so we found out about him through my contact. Todd yep. used to coach in, in the Jayhawk Conference years ago. And, and so it's just, you know, a lot of it's word of mouth. A lot of it's our contacts over the years of, hey, you need to check this guy out and uh, check this guy out. Uh, Reggie Evans that played for me, um, he helped me get love best. And Reggie played for me back in um, early 2000, late 90s and 2000. And then he went to Iowa and played 13 years in the NBA. And yep. Still a part of this program. And yep. during the COVID year, he calls me and he says, hey, 
piece of other guard down here that you need to coach or yeah. uh, need to recruit. Yep. And, uh, and love best. And love ended up coming up here and you know, did started for us two years and was an all American. Right. I was at North Carolina AMT. And uh, so it's just a lot of that, a lot of the contacts. You know, you get some references from some D1 coaches that you know sure. uh, over the years. Uh, guys that trust your program, and, yep. and uh, uh, so there's just a lot of different avenues that we go down in the recruiting, just like they do at all different levels. Yep, absolutely, Coach. And I wanted to ask about the Jayhawk League specifically. Do you have to have a certain number of players from Kansas, and has that changed over the years? Is there some uh, some rule about the Kansas players? <laughs> there used to be. Okay. Uh, when, I first, when I first got here, we could only get five players from outside the state. That's what it was, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was in place for a long time. Yeah. And then we went to six. Um, by 2002, we were at six, and that was the team that played for the national championship. And then we went to eight, uh, and now we're unlimited. So okay. now it's, it's you know, you can recruit players from wherever. But we still put an emphasis on getting yep. players. I mean, I've had All-Americans come out of Kansas that played for them, like I mentioned before. Yep. Richardson was a heck of a guard for us out of Kansas City, Wyandotte High School. Ryan Martin, who played for us and he was from Schlegel High School in Kansas City and went to Wichita State. He was an All-American for us also. Um, played for Mark Turgeon's team that made the Sweet 16. Yep. Uh, we've had really good Kansas players over the years, and so we put an emphasis on that. And one of yep. our better players this year, Nate Johnson, is, is from Kansas City. Uh, right. And uh, so, even though we get, you know, we don't have a restriction on on uh, out of staters anymore, we still put an emphasis on recruiting the good quality Kansas kids. Right, and then coach your scholarship players, and when you fill up your scholarships, do you take sometimes kids you weren't sure if you're going to scholarship and take them on as walk-ons? And then my next question is, have you ever had a walk-on who cracked the rotation and then made a difference for you on the court? Um. Not that I can think of as far as a walk-on, but mm -hmm. I've had redshirt over the years. Okay. And, uh, Steve Smith comes to mind that Steve Smith was, uh, when Reggie was playing here, we had some really good forwards. Um, that went to uh, Iowa, uh, South Florida, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. And uh, and Steve Smith, at that time, we were at five out of state or six out of state mm -hmm. at the time. And so he... He was an extra on the out of state, so he had to redshirt his first year. Okay. Well, he ends up being next year he plays for us. He's the freshman of the year in the conference. The next year he plays for us. We uh, he's an all American and we play for the national championship. Yeah. Yep. I you know redshirting him his first year. I guess we did out of because we had to, but yeah, he proved to be a pretty dang good player. Yeah, and it worked out in that redshirt yeah. year. You can get stronger and, and work on yeah, your game. Yeah, they've done that over the years. Yeah, they, yep. they don't like it necessarily because they're in junior college and they're thinking, man, I'm getting redshirted in junior college. Right. But then if they use it to their benefit and really work at it, then it, it definitely pays off for them. And Steve's a great example of that. Absolutely. And, Coach, how many full scholarships can you have at Division One junior college? Fifteen. Fifteen fulls. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. And then I also wanted to ask international, Coach. I know you've had some international players, and I'm sure it's through contacts and, and, yeah. and different things you find them. But how have you utilized international players uh, in your program? Yeah, we most recently we've had uh, Blaze Keita, who is from uh, Mali, Africa. 
and Blaze played for us the last couple of years. Now he's at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, we currently have two more players on our team from Mali, Africa. Uh, mm-hmm. uh Diallo, who was with us last year, and he, he tore his ACL first game of the year last year. And so without the rest of the year. Um, and then we picked up another one that was at Sunrise uh, Prep School, uh, Bubakar Keita, no relation to Blaze, but a uh, uh, big 6'9 player that, uh, and Diallo's almost 6'7, and both of 225, 230 big body guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've got a contact that we've, uh, we did well with Blaze. And uh, he saw that Blaze was treated well here. It was obviously a good environment for him. He got better in his time here. And so now he's helping us with more kids from that area. Um, we've got a player on our team this year, also a two guard, a combo guard from Greece. And a mm-hmm. uh, uh, coaching friend uh, originally told me about him. And we got on him. He played at a prep school in Connecticut. Kind of go, got overlooked. And, and we started talking to him. And, He's, he's going to be a player for us. Really right. cute, can handle it, you know. So, yeah, we're kind of expanded into, um, you know, we get some international kids. And, and we, I can tell people, we just kind of, wherever they're from, it, it doesn't matter to me as long as they can play. Yep, yep. It's worldwide, Coach. You win yeah. national championships, and this is what happens. <laughs> I love it. Coach, uh, a question for you, too, then, um, is when you have uh, your recruiting class Typically, you said 15 full scholarships. Is there a turnover because you lose freshmen maybe who, who go out to four-year schools? Is it typical class like new players, maybe 10, 9, 11, 12? How many new players are typically on a, on a team in your junior college? Yeah. Um, I mean, you can have 15. Mm-hmm. We're not fully funded like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I mean, we, we, we got a good amount. We do. Yeah. We, I mean, we're up in the double digits. Okay. Uh, we're good, but I mean, uh, there's certain schools that do have, uh, my friend Hank up at Indian Hills, I know he don't worry about any of that stuff. No, no. Yeah. Yep. He's got it rolling up there. Um, you know, yeah, kids roll over uh, or, or move on, and, and so we do have a big turnaround. Uh, right. You know, as we were talking before we came on air, I've, I've got just three players that returned from last year's team. And some of that was uh, because kids moved on. Some of that was because some of those guys didn't fit what I wanted them to do here. Sure. And that hasn't been the case a whole lot over the years, but that was a little bit of the case last year. And so we've got uh, uh, three guys that were a part of this. Two of those guys were injured and didn't even play. And Nate Johnson was the only one. And so, um, yeah, you just – you start early. Um, we're fortunate here. We can bring them in in summer school uh, yep. and get to know them a little bit. They get to know us. They get to know the smaller community of Coffeeville. Uh, so the culture shock isn't as great when they yeah. come to school. And um, then they see that it's a, it's a quality place where they're going to be yep. able to get better as a basketball player. They see the banners that we have hanging on the walls and, and the tradition of the program, and they realize – Okay, I'm in a good spot, but uh, with the way COVID, or not COVID, but the way that the uh, portal stuff is, we got a number of guys on our team this year that are qualifiers that just got overlooked because so many of the yep. D1 schools are looking at kids out of the portal, Yep. and these kids are Division One level players that are maybe just going to play for us one year, and then they're going to move on. Yeah. 
And so if that's the case, then great for them because that's what we brought them in here to do. Yep. Yep, exactly. Coach, you probably can't say it, but I can. Uh, you should be fully funded. You won an ass ship, so take that trophy. Take that trophy that's sitting behind you and bring it up to your boss's desk and tell them, Coach, we, tell them. Yeah, yeah, national champion, Coach. But um, that's awesome. And Coach, that was, that was my next question then, is how has the transfer portal kind of affected and you, you kind of answered it division one recruiting but like this class of 2022 kids and now the 23s they're really being affected we have some great players here in san marcus even and it's you know the spots are limited you know because kids that got that covid year at the four-year schools so it has has affected it seems like and and some people are, are going juco route because of that maybe there's no doubt we've, mm -hmm. we've got i don't know it's not half of our team but it's it's over a third of our team are all guys that were just qualifiers. Wow. That, that got overlooked and a lot of it yep. because of the portal thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, obviously because it's new, um, yep. that's what's going on. But I've also talked to a lot of my coaching friends at that level and said, hey, you know, you guys are looking at guys in the portal that average maybe three or four points a game at a school and they're looking to go someplace else and you're missing out on kids that average 13 to 15 points a game in JUCO that plays in good programs. Right. And it's because it was the shiny new thing out there, and they were able to get those players. And I get it, but I think it's gonna it's gonna level out a little bit. And right. uh, you know, some of those guys have said they're definitely gonna get back into recruiting the JUCOs heavier uh, right. than they have in the past, in the past couple of years. Right, right. And coach, I know you've sent so many players on to four-year schools. It's 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 a lot. Uh, coach, diving back into back into your program. I wanted to talk specifically then uh, about your style of play and, and you mentioned it already, but your tough physical teams and, you know, just watching film, you obviously are a great defensive team coach. Can you talk a little bit about your defensive philosophy over the years? And then also has it, you said it, it stayed pretty consistent you know, over the years. Well, yeah, we, uh, the one thing I've, I've changed as we started getting better depth, and it started about 2002, and after that, when we started getting, uh, we were able to get just more players that were better talent. Sure. Um, started pressing more. But okay. the very beginning, we were just very sound defensively, and we played the old Dick Bennett style. Yep. Or, you know, we call it gaps. Um, yep. He called it pack line. And, and uh, you know, we talked about guarding the ball a lot. Um, in practice every day we do some type of drills that it's about guarding the ball and i don't think that there's enough emphasis out there in coaching where you teach kids you know the proper stance and, and uh, how to guard the basketball because if you're going to be any good defensively you got to be able to do that absolutely you can't guard the ball, people are going to attack you downhill and, and a lot of people will you know they'll, they'll do it once in a while on, on you know drills and stuff we do it every single day Yep. Uh, with, with the way we go about it, but uh, the majority of our the beginning of our practices are all just defensive stuff, and it starts okay. out with one on one, two on two, three on three, one on four, just builds yep. up, and it's drills and it's competitive drills, and and so that gets our guys in a mindset that you know, okay, you know, this is really important because kids coming in a lot of times they don't understand the the importance of defense, and when you're doing that every day it gets ingrained in their head that this end of the floor is really important. Yep. And 
point to them that, you know, the, the thing that allows you to, to score more points is playing good defense. And they look at me kind of strange and they said, because if you don't guard, you're not going to be on the floor to score any points. <laughs> right. I love that. Facts. <laughs> yeah. So, so you yep. better guard <laughs> and then you're going to have freedom to go play on the offensive end and score some baskets. And then your parents are going to be happy. You're going to be happy. And, and we're going to win some games. That's great. Um, but no, we've, we've, uh, Develop a style where we do press. It's not a crazy press, but it's a it's a, a full court or three quarter court press, and then a couple different styles with that. And then we get back in the half court, and we just we're very sound on the ball. We got we got guys in the gaps, and then one thing that we do that it takes a lot of practice, and and I've talked to a lot of clinics and other coaches have come in and and uh, spoken to me about it. We do a post double. Um, and there's some coaches out there that do it once in a while. It's just it's something that we do every every possession. And right. It's part of our system, and it keeps guys alert. Um, when that ball goes in the post, we got a guy that's going to go double it, and it's always you know certain spots on the floor, and it's it's drilled and it's drilled and it's right. drilled. It, you know, the easy thing is to go get the double. The hard thing then is to get the rotation that goes after that. Right. You know, making sure everybody's in the right spots and, and knowing when they're going to send cutters, how are we going to cover that up? And, and we drill all that stuff because I've seen about every way that somebody can attack yep. uh, our defense over the years. And uh, uh, so we drill that a lot. And that's something that uh, it keeps our guys kind of in a hungry attacking mentality that yep. they know when the ball's on the wing, if it goes inside, okay, it's on. Boom. We're going to trap this thing. And, yep. And, uh, more than likely, that guy's going to have to pass it out, or uh, you know, and then we rotate and anticipate the shot and rebound it, and then we're off and running to the other end. Right, Coach. Staying with that uh, post-to-post double, what's the terminology and the talk then for the other three players uh, that are not involved directly with the trap? Yeah, it's not even. It's not post-to-post. Um, mm-hmm. our, our, our whoever is in the strong side high position. Okay. Come. So it, yep. it could be forward. It just depends yep. on the offensive alignment. Uh, yep. against. Okay. So that's why it, it, it takes a lot of drills. Sure. Um, you know, basically if it's a four out or a three out, two in, like people used to play years ago, but more now it's four out. And uh, yep. so no matter who's in certain spots, um, you just got to be alert to who's going to go double. Look, the guy in the wing's got a responsibility. The two guys in the lane got the rotation. Uh, yep. You know, and then when it comes out, you know, everybody's rotating to the spots that they're supposed to be in, and uh, yeah, it, it looks like chaos when we first started because you know guys just aren't getting it. But uh, um, it, after the drills and and the emphasis of it, and again, it's something that we do every single day that they get it down, and it becomes pretty effective for us to the point yep. where some teams over the years that have good post players don't even throw it inside to them. Right. Because they know we're going to double them. And, yep. and uh, you know, or if they do, you know, they're, they're just going to be ineffective because we're, we're going to make them kick it back out. Yep. Uh, I love that, Coach. You're taking away a strength of their team when they're yeah. choosing not to throw it inside. And also, post players often, they're not the best passers all the time throwing it out so you can get tips, deflections, and, and good stuff. I, I love that, Coach. I've had high um, school coaches over the yeah. years that asked me, they said, so, and a lot of high school coaches love doing this because some of them don't have very much size. Right. 
But they said, do you even double the, the ones that aren't very good, the post players? And I'm like, heck, yeah, those are the ones who turn it over. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that coach. And can I ask about ball screen coverage? I know the ball screen is, is just used more and more in college basketball. Um, do you have several coverages or are you a program that maybe wants to do one thing and do it very good? We do one. Yeah. Really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, we do. We, yep. uh, I know there's teams that based on who they're playing have different coverages and stuff, but mm-hmm. again, well, we're on the defensive end. I don't want our guys thinking. I want our guys yeah. to react in and playing basketball. <clears throat> and I can hold them accountable. The teammates can hold each other accountable because they know what they're supposed to be doing. Yep. So we ball screen defense, um, you know, we, we take them into the ball screen. Our guards chase over the top. We switch one through four. But even on switches, we go over the top of the ball screen. That way, if we've got a smaller guy, uh, guard, and a big big guy's uh, screening him, mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to get buried underneath him. Right. They're going to go over the top and anticipate uh, a pass, a bounce pass or something, but they're going to be on the high side of the guy. If it's a, like last year with Blades, our big guy, uh, he didn't switch. So he would, we called it a shallow hedge. Um, it's not a drop like a lot of teams are doing now. Yeah. So would get up level with, with the screener. Okay. And he would, his rule was he had to guard him for two dribbles. Mm-hmm. And the guards chasing him over the top because we always want that guy to feel the pressure of the guy coming from behind him and not and not getting comfortable trying to shoot a shot behind the screen. Right. And so the guard chases him over the top and and, uh, and then we got to help behind. We talk about that a lot too. Right. A lot about yep. helping behind the screen because you get isolations now, like you know, five setting a ball screen on a wing. Everybody else over on the other side. Well, the guys in the lane have got to be ready to rotate and help them behind the ball screen, and and uh, we work a lot on that also. But we we do it one way. I mean, yep. we, that way our guys, you know, they can't say, "Well, I thought we were doing it this way." No, there's there yeah. not that. There's not that conversation that goes on. It's yep. Yep. going over the top, and you know, and we're going to talk about switching if it's one through four, and you know, yep. guard the ball. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I love that coach. So that he takes the thinking out of it. You know what you're doing and, and you know what you got to get done. Um, coach, how hard is it to get your guys to go into the, from a press and where you're providing pressure, you're slowing the team down, you're aggressive. And then when they do get past that and now they're playing half court and you're in those gaps, you know, is, is that hard to transfer from that to gap defense? Yeah. I remember years ago when I was going to first start pressing and Brad Soderberg who played for Dick Bennett, coached yep. Dick Bennett, now assistant coach for Tony out of Virginia, and yep. knows a lot about the, the, the pack and the gap mm-hmm. defense. Now I remember talking to, to Brad, and I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start pressing, uh, but when we get done pressing, I'm going to get back into the, into the gaps. And he said, that'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. <laughs> he said, I, I just remember his comedy. So that'll be interesting if you can get that done. And and so we do. And we, we talk about it. Obviously, we do a lot of practicing with our press. And as soon as they get it down the floor and have, okay, I, I give our guys freedom to go get some traps and stuff. Sure. Once it gets down there and we no longer have that 
no, it's not that we're conservative. Now we're going to play our rules in the half court. And it's yep. just, it takes a lot of drills um, because, you know, initially they want to be still aggressive out on the wings. They want to try to deny things out on the wings. And, and then that leaves driving lanes open. And, yep. uh, you know, it just, we, we drill it a lot. We talk about it a lot. Uh, but it is a mindset where, you know, you're going to press, you're going to take your chances in the open court, see if we can get some traps, see if we can get some turnovers. But once they get down in the scoring area, we're going to get back into our style of play in, in the half court. Right. Uh, yeah. Coach, it's, a, it's great. It's a unique style. And I know when I was looking at it, I love the aggressiveness, but then you guys are very disciplined in those gaps yeah. where it's it's hard to drive the ball against you guys. Coach, is there one statistic that – when you get the stat sheet at halftime or at the end of the game, defensively, you're looking at, is it turnovers forced or field goal percentage? or re, Is there something that just stands out you want to be great at every game? Uh, well, not turnovers so much. Um, mm-hmm. Because people, even though we press, teams in this league are so well coached that, you know, there's a lot of times that, you know, the press isn't going to, cause too many turnovers, but what it does right. is take them out of the rhythm going into the offensive end. Yep. Um, so our big thing is our field goal percentage defense and then the rebounds. Um, yeah. You know, we want to make sure that we're rebounding the first miss and and uh, we put a heavy emphasis on that and that mentality. Um, even, you know, if they're press, if we're pressing and teams go down and they shoot a shot, you know, quick against yep. the press, we're fine with it. You know, as long as we talk to them about rebound the first miss, it's like the turnover. If they shoot a bad shot from 15 feet, we love that shot. Right. And we'll rebound that we're going. But we put a heavy emphasis on, on field goal percentage defense. Uh, we're usually one of the top teams in our conference in that and, and nationally. And then, yep. uh, and then rebounding the ball. Um, just, just, we try to pride ourselves on being a really good offensive rebounding team. Um, you know, because, you know, you get – second chance points. It's just backbreakers for, yep. for teams. And so on the other end, we just put a heavy emphasis on making sure that we rebound the first mess. Coach, how do you, te- how do you teach rebounding? Um, and, and I guess more of my question is, how, how often do you practice rebounding or does it just come out in your live play scrimmages? Because I know you are an excellent physical rebounding team. Yeah, we, we um, in a lot of our drills, it's all just about that. I mean, mm-hmm. we do that start out like a lot of coaches do, you know, where you're going to start with a, a rebound and then do some transition out of it or right. something where people are kind of set. But in all our drills, uh, you know, it's about finishing with a rebound. And, yep. and man, I, I I lose my mind sometimes in practice just because, you know, if we're not doing that, they get the yeah. point real quick that right. you know, this is something that is really important. And, uh, you know, we one of our favorite drills in practice, defensive drills, is just a real simple two-on-two uh, starts on the wings, two offensive guys on the wings, two defensive guys in the middle of the lane. I'm behind them, and I throw out the ball to one side or the other. they got to adjust quickly. One guy goes to the ball, one guy gets in the lane, and it's a two-on-two game, and it finishes with the rebound. And, I mean, if you give up an offensive rebound, you run a set on the stairs. Right. You know, and so they're yeah. so they head real quick. Oh shoot, this yep. is important. So then it goes to three on three, and then it goes to four on four, and then it goes to five on five, and it's not set. Uh, you know, drill. It's the offense has got freedom to play. They can set ball screens. They can 
pass and cut. They can do whatever they want to. And so it's, it's like a real game where guys just got to know what the rules are. But when that ball goes to the rim, if you don't want to get on those steps, you can make sure your team rebounds the ball. Yeah. And so it just ingrains it in their head that way. And we do a lot of our drills that there's, there's punishments, uh, and uh, it gets in their head pretty quick. I love that, Coach. And it carries over to the games. You guys yeah, are physical. Yeah. You're a great yeah. rebounding team. Yeah. You got to have a team full of go-get-it guys, and I, I know your teams are, are full of those. Coach, can I ask if, if your practice was a two-hour practice yeah. and it was kind of divided up in a pie graph, what percentage would be on the defensive end? What percentage percentage would be on the offensive end? And then also, how much do you scrimmage uh, live play in your practices? Yeah, I mean, I think some of my former players, and I told them about this podcast, so they're probably out there going, tell the whole practice about defense. (laughs) (laughs) uh, The the beginning is uh, definitely a heavy emphasis on the defense. Right. Um, We do some warm-up stuff that is five-on-zero offensive stuff, just working on stuff that we do on the offensive end. But, I mean, the majority of stuff up until – Midway through practice, like I, I have two uh, first part of practice, second part of practice, and we do our warm up stuff, and then we're we're into our, our our stuff with our defense, and it's like I said before, it starts with one on one stuff on the approach and how to guard the ball, then two on two, then three on three, four on four, five on five, and we do different rebounding things out of that, and then you know so that's an hour or so into practice, and then. We have a five-minute session where they shoot free throws, they get a drink, and then we come back afterwards. The majority of the time after that, then, is devoted to the offensive end okay. uh, of practice. But I used to be way more, you know, defensively, and then I was realizing, man, we got to score the ball better, and yeah. uh, we need to spend more time on the offensive end, just like we do the defensive end. Um, especially when you're playing against the teams that can really guard you, you got to know, you know, right. how to take care of the ball. So we put a we we started emphasizing more on the offensive end too. So it's about about fifty fifty, and then at the end of practice, uh, the last probably half an hour every day, we're doing some type of full court, whether it's sure. one transition or down and back, um, you know, three possessions, something yep. like that. You know, we're always doing because the game is five on five. Yeah, you know, some days we work on our press. Um, so we're going to press, and then we're going to go down and back, and this team's in this defense, and this team's pressing, and the other team's just straight man-to-man. But, uh, yeah, we do uh, probably the last half hour practice, at least maybe a little bit more. We're doing five-on-five stuff. Right. Um, coach, and then it sounds like a great practice. And then in on the offensive end, are you more in the half-court running sets motion? Um, have you changed over the years? Uh, what is your – kind of I know you can't go into your whole offensive philosophy but what are some of the main staples for your offense the easiest way to explain that is we play um, a more up-tempo version of what Virginia does okay yep yeah. we blocker mover yep. yeah 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 sides blocker mover you yep. call blocker mover now we call it sides uh, yep. we play two forwards still um, we definitely like one of the forwards to to be a skilled guy that can play out on the floor a little bit more, but our forwards work opposite each other. Our guards learn to space um, off 
of our actions. Um, there's some ball screens that happen within in that, but it's not a set play. Sure. Um, so we run basically a secondary uh, into as we're going down the floor, and then we get into our side stuff if we don't get a shot. Yep. And so, and, and that's just you know we put an emphasis still on throwing the ball inside. Um, to Blaze, you know, in the last couple of years, he was a, a big time threat on the inside. Right. Uh, so we throw it in there, and a lot of times, you know, because we double, so our guys yep. are passing out of the out of the yep. post, and then we play off of that too. Sure. We have actions when the ball goes in the post. All four other guys have got specific spots that they have to go to. Right. And and then we play off of that, and you get great shots just by throwing the ball inside and passing back out, and you get the defense and the rotation. Uh, we get great shots out of that. But I try to get our guys to. Um, with a lot of freedom, yep. But have discipline, and it's it's kind of a tricky yep. deal early on, sure. Because um, you don't want them to think too much like, does coach really want me to shoot this shot or not? I don't want them to have that mentality. Right. I want them to be able to play basketball within what we do. And, right. You know, if obviously I don't want them to shoot that shot, I'll tell them you know during practice hey, that, that that's not one that I want you yeah. to shoot, and then if they shoot it in the game. I'll let them know too, but right. you know, twice and they come out again. Uh, but uh, no, it's it's an offense. I think our guys have a lot of fun playing because we do play fast. We move the ball. Um, in my 27 years, I've only had one player average over 20 points a game, and that was Reggie Evans. Hmm. Um, and that's because we had a bunch of guys that couldn't shoot it very good that played with him, and he got a lot of rebounds and putbacks. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like our, our team that won the national championship, our scoring was very balanced. Yeah. Tyler Perry was our leading scorer. And I think he averaged about 15 points a game. And we were, you know, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 9. You know, we had very balanced scoring. And right. uh, it keeps guys happy. It keeps guys involved um, in the game. Um, so, and it makes it fun. Absolutely, Coach. And when you have balanced scoring from the opponent's perspective, that, that's tough to stop because there's no one you can really go off of if all five guys are, are capable of scoring and you don't know who's going to be scoring each night. Well, yeah, and we found that a, a lot with uh, that year early on. You know, teams tried to take Tyler out of the game. Tyler mm-hmm. was uh, early in the year was, was shooting over 60% from three. True. And, uh, um, Teams were really getting after him. And so Tyler was really unselfish to the yeah. point where I'd get upset with him uh, and tell him to shoot the dang ball. But, uh, I mean, he, he would get his teammates involved. And, and uh, um, you know, Boston Holt became a really good scorer for us. He's at Utah now. Yep. And uh, Hayden Birdingham and Larry White were our, uh, I don't want to call them second line forwards. They were just, they, they were the guys that didn't start, and they were the next forwards that came in. And both those guys were so athletic and could score different ways. Uh, and then we had Marquis Browning, who's at UW Milwaukee now. And mm-hmm. He was such an athletic wing player. And all those guys got involved and figured out the different ways that they could score within our offense. And uh, they, were, they were all for each other. And that's the other thing that we, I think, over the years, we just – I emphasize is just being unselfish on that end of the floor. Yep. 
because a lot of kids when they're at the junior college level, I think have a mentality that they gotta put up a lot of points so they can get seen and get recruited. And a great example of that, I had a player, Tevin Brewer, a couple years previous to our national champion. Um, we were in the final four and he was our point guard. He was an all American. He was a little dude. I mean, five foot eight, uh, and he could go, but right. he was at a Juco in, in Oklahoma the year before his freshman year. And he averaged 26 and a half points a game. And he was a qualifier coming out of high school and he didn't get recruited. And we had some guys from Arkansas where he was from on our team and he ended up transferring up here because he knew those guys. And, but when he came up for his visit, I told him, I'm like, dude, you're going to average maybe half the points that you averaged down there, mm-hmm. but you're going to get recruited because you're, you're going to play on a better team. Yep. He comes here, he averages 13 and a half points a game. He ends up being an All-American. We played in the Final Four. Uh, we got beat in the semifinal by Billy Gillespie's team. Um, yep. You know, and and uh, we had to just we had a hard time scoring that game, just missing a lot of shots. But Billy's defense had a lot to do with that. <laughs> uh, but Tevin averaged 13 and a half points a game and was an All-American. And so that's that's the thing that I get our guys to buy into that if you're playing in a good junior college program that's got a good reputation and you're on the floor playing, you're going to get seen yep. because you're going to get recruited. And because when you go to the D1 level, you're not going to average 20 points a game. Nope. It's not nope. happening. Yep. I mean, you're going to maybe get to 10 points a game if yep. you're lucky, you know. And uh, so they, they get to understanding that and they understand that if we're being successful and we can obviously get to a national tournament, and that really takes up your level of getting recruited. Yep, exactly. And coach, that's such a testament to your program, how you have for over these 26 years have gotten these players to buy into the team, to unselfishness. I know that's what Coffeeville Community College Basketball is all about. Coach, this has been so great. I have a few more questions. I, I don't want to stop, but I have to ask about the Jayhawk League. It, yeah. Night in, night out. I mean, it's just got to be a grind, Coach. Um, Wednesdays and Saturdays and, and just – I mean, can you just talk about the league itself, the rival with, with Hutchinson, and just a little bit about your league that you're in? It is. It's a monster. Uh, we play 24 conference games. We get 30 games in junior college basketball, so you get six non-conference games, and the rest are conference games. So we start conference, I think, November 10th this year, something like that, 11. And you're playing, like you said, Wednesdays and Saturdays. And the travel. I mean, we travel. Yeah six, seven hours was going to the state of Kansas, going out to conference. Game. Yep. And, and it's really good coaches and really talented. Really good. Uh, I mean, the, the top five players in Juco basketball last year, three of the players listed were forwards in our conference. And they went to Alabama, Missouri, and, and Nebraska. Yep. And, uh, I mean, that's the quality of just the bigs, and the point guards are just as good. But the coaching and the preparation every night uh, to get your team ready after long, long travels, and um, yeah, the competition is is not. I mean, I know West Texas has got a good league. They just don't mm-hmm. have as many right uh, good quality teams. East Texas has got a lot. Uh, it's a good league. Florida's divided up into different leagues. That's a good league. Um, but the Kansas. Jayhawk Conference with uh, night in, night out quality teams and as many as we play, um, it, it's a challenge. It's a great Man. challenge. It's a lot of fun. And like you 
say the rivalries. I mean, yeah, we've independence is 15 miles from us. Yep. That's a big rivalry uh, from in this community and their community. Uh, Cowley County, who's an hour and 15 minutes from us. Butler, where Kyle Fisher, who was my assistant for seven years, is now the head coach over there. And so, you know, it's like a mirror out there when we're playing against each other. Right. What we're doing, we're doing what they're doing. Uh, And then with Tommy uh, over at Hutch now, he was at Indy at one time, then he was at Cowley. Now he's at Hutch and doing a great job. And and, uh, so, yeah, it's just you never get a night off. Uh, in this conference, and it's it what it's what makes it fun. Um, you know, Rusty, uh, he, the coach that's out at uh, Garden City now. He mm-hmm. he, uh, he was at Colby, and, and uh, after his second year, and he says to me, he says, "25 years since I lived." He says, "How the hell did you? How are you doing it right? Right?" <laughs> he says, "I know I ain't lasting that long," <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> But he's still hanging in there. I mean, Rusty yeah. does a great job, and now he's at Garden City, and I hear he's got a really good team. But it, it, it makes it's frustrating, but it also makes what this conference is it's so great. Uh, right. So in, in the Big 12 or the Big 10, yep. you know, in the yep. in Division One level, that's what this conference is all about. Yep. Exactly. I was talking today when we were preparing for the podcast and we, we talked we compared it to SEC football, you know, yeah. like it's, it's yeah. very similar. It's just such a grind and such heavyweights, you know, with yeah, you and Hutchinson. Somebody that's ranked in the top 10 in the nation. And then the next game you're playing a team like Cloud County that people would think, well, who's Cloud County? Well, they're really good. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shit. Yeah. 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 And you're not yeah. retired. They're really well coached. And yep beat you on any night so yep exactly and because of the success we've had um you know not just from two years ago but over the course of the oh year, yeah yeah conference championships as we have and being in yep. the night tournament every night is a challenge for us because we get everybody's best shot yep and absolutely you know, the new guys they they don't understand that at first but yeah they pretty quick Coach, they, they, all the new guys probably call you the godfather of the league, man. You've been yeah, here. And you've been running. Coach, it's it's a testament to, to your program and, and the job you've done. Okay, Coach, I got two questions for you. Uh, first, if a young coach is trying to break into coaching at junior college because they, they want to get involved in it, uh, what advice would you have for them? Um, first thing is, don't worry about the money. Okay. Good. I've had former players that think that they want to get into coaching and they start here with entry level positions and, and uh, you know, and then they get antsy. They, they want to start making money and sure. then go do something else. And then a couple of years later, they say, man, I wish I would have stuck with it. I want to want to coach, but you can't do that. You can't jump in and out. Yep. So, I mean, you, you just got to understand that when you first get in it, it's not about that. I mean, when yep. I got into coaching, it was because I loved playing the game, and I knew from the time I was young that I wanted to be a coach. And yep. when I started coaching at the University of Dubuque, where I finished up Division Three up in Iowa, I mean, the only way I made money, I opened up a YMCA at 5 o'clock in the morning, and that's the way I made my money. Yep. And then I worked till noon, and then I went over in the afternoon and did my part with the basketball program. And you know, you just, uh, you got to earn your way first. Um, 
So that, that's one thing a lot of people, they want to start making the money because they see how much money certain coaches make, and that gets in their head. Yep. If, the, if you really want to be a coach, don't don't worry about that at first. It'll all work out if you're doing your job. Yep. Second thing is, you know, just kind of be a sponge. I mean, just take it right. in and figure out, you know, what what are the things as you're observing things, what works and what's going to fit your personality and what doesn't fit your personality. Right. And so over the years, I, I've been fortunate, been under some good coaches, and I've taken things from different ones, and then I've also left things from different ones where I'm like, that doesn't fit me. Right. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, that some coaches, you know, young guys, they want to come in there and initially, you know, want to make an impact by trying to tell you how much they know. And yeah. in reality, they, what they need to be doing is just kind of being quiet and learning. Right. And, and then do things as the, as the coach wants them to do things. And I've been fortunate over the years. I've had great ones. Like I said that, I said that before. Uh, yep. From my first one, Doug Wagamester, who was with me my first two years when we got things going. From, like I said, it was three and 26. And our first year, we went 26 and seven. Wow. And since then, I mean, Kyle Campbell, who just left and took the assistant's job at a D1 school, he was with me for in two different stints, total of nine years. Yep. Kyle Fisher, who's at Butler, was with me yep. for seven years. And yep. so I've been very fortunate. And got two guys that are helping me now, Jake Odom, that played at Indiana State and uh, played overseas for for uh, five years and then coached right. coach dancing in Indiana State. He's my assistant, one of my assistants now, and Abdul Wasasi, who was at Sam Houston State years ago as a student and uh, worked his way up, and he's one of my assistants and been with me for four years now. So yep. I'm fortunate that way. Um, those guys are young, but they've also put their time in. So they've yep. got a lot more responsibilities with me uh, right. because they've proven themselves. But young guys, yeah, they just you got to get in and, and uh, don't worry so much about the salary early on. Uh, coaches will help you as much as they can, and then, yep. and then you can start to figure the game out and figure out, hey, this is definitely what I want to do. Then, you know, if you're doing your job right, you're going to get recommendations to get other jobs that are going to start paying you better. But, yep. uh, yeah, this is a great junior college. You know, I've been at this level. I played this level for two years. Yep. Southeastern Iowa, Burlington, Iowa. Um, then I coached four years previous to this at NEO Junior College as assistant coach for men and women. Yep. And, uh, and then I've been here, this is my 28th year. So, I mean, the, the, the lifestyle fits me well. Uh, the uh, ability to recruit players in here and coach uh, good players also uh, is, is an intriguing part of coaching junior college basketball. Yep. Well, coach, you're a staple in it and an icon. And that is such great advice, coach, because co all coaches have to sacrifice. And when you break into the business, you can't be worrying about that. You have to grind, you have to learn, and you have to soak it in like a sponge. You are spot on, coach. Excellent advice. My last question isn't an advice question. If we're traveling through Coffeeville, coach, and we yep. need a place to eat, I ask this of all of my guests. Coach, we had the women's coach on for Las Vegas. She had it easy. You know, she she's UNLV's coach. You're in Coffeeville, Kansas. Where where do we eat there, Coach? Give me a spot. <laughs> you got you got a couple limited choices. One that is a, is the city favorite uh, is El Pablito. Okay, that's okay, the, that's the staple in this community. But the post game place for us, we go to a place called the Yoke, 
Okay. The yogurt. Uh, downtown, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's good food, and it's got, uh, as, as this show, you know, it's basketball and brew. They got brew. beers and <laughs> Cheers, coach. I love it. I love it. So the so yoke is where I'm going. Yeah. And, uh, we have some cold beers and talk about the game, and hopefully we're talking about winning. And yep. And, uh, but yeah, the yoke and El Poblito would be the. Other than that, you know, I'm glad my wife's a great cook. Uh, <laughs> you know, options are pretty limited in Coffeeville, but she's a great cook and right. And, so we, we eat at the house quite a bit. Yeah. Right. I love it, Coach. I'm When I come through to watch your team, I'm going with you to the yoke, and I'm going to yeah, have one of those cold ones. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have a good time. We'll eat some good food and, and yes. uh, some cold beer. Coach Herc, man, thank you. Uh, as I expected, you were awesome, dropping so much knowledge tonight. And like I said to Coach, you are a true icon, and I respect your program, as I know the do do all the listeners out here so much congratulations on that national championship and let's go get another one yeah yeah we got a good team this year and i'm looking forward to coaching them and excited and uh, never know what can happen hopefully it can happen again absolutely so, coach yeah, thanks for having me I was, I was excited to do this and uh really appreciate you getting me on for sure coach thank you so much look forward to staying in touch with you you were a great guest tonight all right thanks dan thank you all right. Well, Coach Herkelman, I mean, like I said earlier, just an icon, man, just a, a great basketball coach, great person, and, and truly one of the best in the business at any level. Um, thank you again for joining us tonight for Basketball and Brew. I just want to give my sh a shout out to our sponsor. None of this is possible without Jude McLaren, who makes it all happen. And of course, if you're coming through San Marcos and you need to eat, we want you to go to Pie Society, get some pizza, get a beer, enjoy your time there, and then swing on over to Zelix and finish out the night with a great happy hour time at Zelix. We'll be back in a few weeks with some more guests. We hope you enjoy basketball and brew. And please, please subscribe on Twitter or subscribe on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube um, and follow us on Twitter. Enjoy it wherever you're watching. And until next time, thank you for watching Basketball and Brew.